Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I said earlier we continue where we picked off, or picked, we continue where we left off, picking up last week, right in the middle of the story of the temptation of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about each of the three specific temptations and what they might mean for us. So Matthew 4, starting at verse 1, says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, surprise, surprise, he was hungry. So Jesus fasted, that is, had not eaten food for 40 days. So it's a very big understatement then to say that he was hungry. You almost think like Matthew doesn't really feel like he has to write that, right? After 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. And then Jesus, when he's weak, isn't that true about us too, right? The devil tempts you at your weakness. So Jesus is weak, the devil comes to tempt him. You too, you, me too, right? He's smart, he's shrewd, he's crafty. The devil knows your weaknesses and tempts you there. And so the verse keeps going. It says, the tempter, that's what he's called in verse 3, came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And at that point, Jesus could almost smell the bakery right there. If you are, remember we talked about that last week, Jesus' baptism a few verses ago, he hears the Father's voice from heaven saying, this is my son. And now the devil comes up and says, if you really are the son of God, if you are the chosen one, if you are the Messiah, because the first thing, That always happens when we are tempted. It's to doubt something true about God. The devil tempts you to doubt God's word. Just like Adam and Eve. Did God really say? God really doesn't mean that. He didn't really say that. The devil always begins by tempting us to doubt something true about God. So the first thing he does to Jesus is what he's just heard from heaven. You are, my beloved son, comes up and says, if you are. Now if you are, you know, prove it to me. Turn these stones into bread. Pretty sneaky, obviously. Jesus is hungry. And he comes along and says, if you really are who you say you are, who that voice said you are, prove it. Show me. And then also many Jewish people at that time thought that when the true Messiah came, he would recreate the wilderness manna miracle. So he would do that, where again, would provide bread on the ground, just like God did back when they came out of Egypt. So here's the devil giving Jesus the perfect opportunity to show himself, to be the Messiah, prove himself, and help himself out, and get some food. Except, Jesus won't budge an inch. The devil comes at... Here's what Jesus says, verse 4. He says, he answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus doesn't simply answer, give an answer like, no, I won't do that. Jesus does not simply rely on his own strength or his own willpower to give a reply. How does he answer? He quotes, and he quotes God's word. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, to be exact, says man does not live by bread alone. Great chapter. You see, saying there is, one, there is more than one way to be filled. That is, some things, if it's the wrong way to do it, it's not worth it. And you see, the power to 
resist temptation here is found exactly in God's word. So even Jesus, the perfect son of God, true God, true man, uses God's word as a powerful weapon to defend himself against temptation. And I think that's true for you and me, right? When tempted, whether we acknowledge it or not in the moment, our biggest source of strength isn't your willpower, isn't even your friends or family. Your biggest source of strength is in God's inspired word. Speaking God's life-giving, Holy Spirit-inspired word back to the devil who is speaking lies at you. And by the way, here's an idea. I I know some people that, that have done this with certain things. They've collected Bible verses, looked up a bunch of them that talk about different things they've been wrestling with in life, and they've kept either a a journal or or a a stack of note cards or even a file on their phone so that when they're tempted and wrestling with something, they can just go right there and read God's Word, our true source of power. So that's the first temptation, weakness. The devil attacks Jesus' weakness, and Jesus responds with God's Word. Okay, that doesn't work, so then he tries something else. If you first don't succeed, right, try again, so the devil does. So the second temptation is this, verse 5, And set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, again, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, in Psalm 91, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone, a very good psalm. The second temptation, if you listen, is filled with very, very holy things. It's, it's a very religious temptation. See, the devil takes Jesus, it says, to the holy city, Jerusalem, and then takes him to the top of the holy temple, and then quotes to Jesus holy scripture, and then again says, cast doubt, if you are the Son of God, jump off. God's word says he'll save you. Look, the Bible even says so right here. So the first temptation, the devil attacks weakness. Second temptation, the devil actually attacks strength. Jesus won't give in to hunger and make bread at the devil's suggestion, but maybe he'll prove his holiness. Maybe he'll be so, uh, maybe he'll be consumed with his own rightness and holiness, and, and I can push him over the other way. So if the devil doesn't attack your weakness, he'll attack your strength. He'll find what you're good at and somehow tempt you to keep going further until it, it twists into something not good anymore. So he'll find what you're good at and then tempt you to maybe pull your, pour your whole life into it at the expense of everything and everyone else. And maybe it's that you're, you're good at your job, so the devil might just tempt you to, to spend all of your time and all of your energy there, and then your family doesn't receive any. Or maybe you're so good at something, and it could even be very holy things, like serving and praying, and you're so good that you can't even understand why anyone else isn't as good as you are. And so the things that we're good at can easily tempt us to be prideful, to look down at others, and, and to boast. You see, the devil is... And then it continues, verse 7, Jesus said, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, the answer is the same thing, right? Jesus responds with God's word, again, from Deuteronomy, it's time chapter 6. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
So Jesus, which is rather fascinating, Jesus in perfect communion with God the Father, in perfect prayer, does not even want to draw on his own words to make up a response. So when Jesus is, is tempted, he's, he repeats back God's written word that he had memorized in his heart. So Jesus doesn't use something beyond us out there that we don't have access to. He simply uses what is available to all of us, which is God's word, his written word here, Deuteronomy. So if you are ever fighting to resist temptation, take it from Jesus, the most powerful tool you have, because it's the most powerful tool Jesus used to resist, is God's word. Okay, so that's one and two. First, devil attacks weakness. Second, devil attacks strength. Here's the third one, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This one's maybe a bit trickier. I think in a word, the third one is deception. Now they all are, but in a word, it, it, it's a deception of here's why. The devil offers an easy way out. The devil's M.O. is to offer you and I easy way outs that actually says to Jesus, you can have it all. Another title in the scriptures given to the evil one is deceiver or father of lies. And that's true because I believe that every temptation you fa ever face is first a temptation to doubt something true about God. It's, it's the temptation to believe a lie, and then we act on that. So the third temptation is deception. Here's why. What was Jesus' mission? Why was Jesus born? He said, I came to seek and save what was lost. He came to redeem God's people to rescue you and me, to buy us back. He, he came to become one of us so that, that he could gather our sin, gather our pain, and carry it to the cross and die and rise for you. That, that's why he's here. That's his mission. And there is none of that without the cross. There is no forgiveness of sins without the cross. There is no shortcut to restoring a broken world that God so loves dearly. There is no easy path to ending all the evil ever done in the world, and that will be done. But the devil will try to sell the ultimate snake oil to Jesus. He says, everything you've ever wanted, your whole mission, why you're here, I can give you. It's easy. Just one little bow. Just trust me on it. So if you really think about it then, what if Jesus takes him up on the offer? What if Jesus bows? Right? How could that conversation have gone? Really? You, you'll give me everything I, I've come for, everything I've wanted, my whole mission? Why? Really? One little bow? I mean, uh, what a bargain. Re restoring the whole world. The, the forgiveness of sins without the cross. One little bow. You might call it uh, salvation on sale in the bargain bin. I'll take it. But was the devil's offer actually true? No. Was he being honest? No. Was the devil actually going to deliver what he promised? No. 
So look, I don't know what specifically you are tempted by. I don't know what your struggles in life are, but I know this, and that is that sin is always deceptive. Sin promises big, but then delivers little. So whatever you are tempted by, and whatever I'm tempted by, there are things that make really big promises, like solve all your problems fast, or make all your wildest dreams come true, or make you happy forever and ever. They promise big. Whatever we're tempted by, makes, they make big promises, but they lie to us. They promise little. And that's the, the devil's game over and over again. Promise big, deliver little, rinse, repeat, and we keep falling for it. And so Jesus knows this, and again and again, Jesus resists by quoting God's word. He says, be gone, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then it says, the devil finally left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So even in his own temptation, the angels came and ministered to him. And I wonder about that us as well. When, when we are fighting temptation, do we pray and, and, and use God's word? And you just might have angels come and minister to you even if you can't see. So there are many reasons why I, I really like this story. And it, I don't like it because it's easy to talk about. It's not. There's a lot to wrestle with, and it, it kind of makes us uncomfortable to, to talk about evil in such blatant terms. But I like this story because it helps me be honest with my own heart. It helps me be honest with where I'm tempted and, and what lies I'm tempted to believe and then how to combat them. And I do also think seeing how Jesus handles temptation shows us how to fight our own temptations. When you're tempted, go to God's Word. Read it, memorize it, believe it, speak it. However, this story isn't first and foremost about how we deal with temptation. I think it talks about that. And we've, we've talked about that. But I don't think that's what it, it, it's first about. You see, I think the real strength that you and I will ever have and the real good news that we'll ever get out of this it comes from something else. You see, first and foremost, this story is about Jesus and what he did and what he's done. So yes, Jesus is a teacher and he is our example, but before in our lives, Jesus becomes our teacher and our example, he is our perfect Savior for you. And only when, when we believe and trust him as, as our perfect Savior, then only will we even want to or try to do what he says, and that is believe God and, and resist temptation. You see, when Jesus quotes Scripture, he doesn't just pick, you know, random passages all over the Bible. You heard me say it already. It's Deuteronomy. So Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy all three times. Why? Deuteronomy reads like one big, long sermon that God gives his people before they're, they're waiting. They're about to enter the promised land. So they've come out of Egypt. They've come all this way, 40 years in the wilderness golden calf, you know, the whole bit, and then finally they're on the plains of Moab waiting to cross the Jordan, enter the promised land, and through Moses, God gives him his last will and testament before Moses dies, and, and it's, that's what Deuteronomy is, and it goes on, keeps saying things like, I have saved you, now don't forget me. Love the Lord with, you know, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. When you get to the land that I'm giving you, don't forget what I've done. And at every point, 
God's people forget, right? They're barely out of Egypt. They don't trust God. God feeds them manna and water, and, and they still grumble. And they, they get to Sinai, and Moses takes too long up on the top, and then they make a golden calf from the bottom. Why? Because they don't trust God. And so over and over, this whole story of God's people and Israel is them failing, taking the easy road, disobeying God, hoping it'll make them happy. And then here comes Jesus. And the way Matthew writes about Jesus, writes his gospel, he shows, he writes Jesus as if he's the new Moses and the new Israel, God's people, finally getting it right, finally doing everything perfect. And so you can look through all of Matthew's, just a couple at the beginning, you know, Moses, when he is born, other Hebrew babies are killed around his birth. Then Matthew writes about Jesus being born and Herod kills all the babies in Bethlehem. Or Moses' mother has to put him in a basket to flee, he has to flee for his life. And Jesus' parents flee to Egypt to save his life. And then Moses leads the people out of, Jesus, out of Egypt and Jesus comes out of Egypt them to, then to lead God's people. And Moses leads them across the Red Sea into the wilderness. And then we have Jesus being baptized and then going into the wilderness. First time for 40 years, Jesus here for 40 days. And every place God's people failed, Jesus here is faithful. They grumble against God, Jesus trusts God. They disobey God, Jesus obeys God. They give in to temptation. Jesus resists. Jesus perfectly obeys because he has come to do that for you. And so Jesus is reliving the story of God's people, doing it perfectly. At every point where they fail, Jesus does it perfectly because he has become one of us to do it for us. And so Matthew shows Jesus to be this new Moses, new Israel, faithfully putting on your shoes, your life, taking on everything you live and doing it faithfully for you. Jesus resists every temptation in the wilderness for God's people, for you. And so you and I, every, every temptation you'll face, Jesus has already resisted and defeated it for you. Remember a few weeks ago we looked at Jesus' baptism. He completely becomes one of us. He is the stand-in for you. And in his baptism, he stands in the place of sinners who need to repent, and then he goes out and is tempted but resists in every way. And then takes all of that, all of the evil, all of, all of our sin, all the way to the cross on your behalf for you. So Jesus is your perfect stand-in. When you are tempted and you fail, when I'm tempted, I fail, you have a perfect Savior who has been faithful, who willingly and joyfully lived and died and rose to rescue you, and now he comes with you to empower you in every temptation that you face. And so the real power you have to resist temptation is because you are baptized, and God's name is perfect for you. And so may the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding. May it guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.